Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's the 93 WIBC Mashup. The best moments of the day on 93 WIBC. Tony Katz on the 93 WIBC Mashup. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Uh, ABC News' president, Kimberly Goodwin, has condemned former President Donald Trump about his comments about black people. Uh, She said that it's absolutely racist. I believe that The View also has that take. Um, The quote was that Trump was talking about getting indicted a second, a third, a fourth time. And that's why black voters are seeming to support him more than in the past, because it's something that happens to them. Now, the way that mainstream news media is representing this is that with no additional context. But I can actually play the audio of what Trump said. I think this was in South Carolina uh, over a week ago that actually provides the necessary context to this. And it absolutely is a conversation that's been going on for quite some time. Um, America has been dealing with the belief from uh, the black community that they are unfairly treated by police, that they are arrested uh, when they're innocent, that they are, you know, um, uh, definitely experiencing a different version of policing than white people. This is a conversation that's happening constantly. Uh, not even saying that I agree or disagree with aspects of it. It's just important context when you talk about this. And when Trump actually says it like this and not the way that ABC News and others are pretending he shaped this message. I think that's why the black people are so much on my side now, because they see what's happening to me happens to them. Does that make sense? I've heard that when I did the mugshot in Atlanta, you know, that mugshot is number one. Elvis Presley is Elvis Presley's number two. And Frank Sinatra said they had Frank. There's not many presidents who will make a, a joke about his mugshot Frank Sinatra for fighting. And, and of course, not many presidents that have a mugshot. Elvis, for, I don't know, something in a gas station. He tried to hold up a gas station. I don't know. <laughs> Elvis. So Elvis is number two, but he was always number one. My my the mugshot. We've all seen the mugshot. And. You know who embraced it more than anybody else? The black population. It's incredible. You see, it's absolutely true, by the way. I remember after the mugshot came out, I was uh, doing radio at a different place, a place I do radio a lot. And I was playing audio from TikTok of young black men who were commenting on how cool they thought the mugshot looked. One guy even said that I hate Trump and I've, I've never I would never vote for him, yada, 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 and then puts up the mugshot and goes, but this is so cool. And I want to put this on a T-shirt. It's just a true thing. And again, it's it's an ongoing conversation that the left has very much uh, embraced and adopted and, and, you know, made their own and said that they're the only ones that are fighting to fix these injustices, these problems in our society. And Trump references it. Trump talks about it the same way the left does to a degree, of course, not entirely. And yet they're condemning him for it. It's sort of amazing to see. Uh, that you hear ABC News or anyone else um, claim as though the message was something totally different. And Trump is claiming that all black people are uh, arrested because they're criminals. 
as opposed to the actual conversation, which Trump is saying he's innocent and has been indicted. And people who uh, get arrested that are within a certain community uh, feel that they are disproportionately being treated. Uh, the amount of innocent that exists there uh, is larger than we would think it is uh, just based on the amount of arrests, whatever, whatever, however you want to say it. But it, it's amazing. Because that twisting of these comments, of these ideas, is so consistent, so so often a byproduct of trying to shape Trump as the worst human to ever exist in the history of our time. Uh, one other thing real quick, and then I'll take a break. Uh, this is Howard Dean on MSNBC uh, talking about what he believes is the true difference between Donald Trump and uh, President Biden. And apparently it's a push-up contest. It's very different. Trump has more or less fixed the nomination. I mean, if you look at these primaries that are going on. By the way, I do love the fact that he starts off his take with uh, he's cheating and he's um, controlling the election result in the primaries. Weird take for the left to have. The, the one tomorrow, tomorrow, for example, most of the delegates are already going to be decided by a convention and which Trump is stacked. So I think there's going to be something like 16 percent of the delegates get assigned by the voters tomorrow and the rest is inside baseball. He did exactly the same thing uh, in the other states that he's running. He's he's rigged the, the election, rigged election so that only he can get enough. <laughs> I love that. He's he's cheating. He's, he's changing all the rules at the last second. This is horrible. Delegates to win. Haley's hope has to be that she can present herself well as an alternative to Trump so that the convention can accept her should either Trump have a health problem, which he's certainly just as likely as Biden to have, if not more. I mean, he's I bet I'll bet you anything that Joe Biden could beat the daylights out of Trump in a in a push up contest. That would be the saddest push up contest to watch, in all honesty. And Joe Biden wouldn't even really know what he was doing, I think, during it. Even if he was completing push-ups, he'd probably be unaware of why he was down there and why he was doing push-ups in the first place. What an odd comment. But honestly, all the fixed election stuff is my favorite to hear from anybody on that side of the aisle. Craig Collins filling in. Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. Hear Tony Katz live, weekdays 6 to 9 and noon to 3 on 93 WIBC. It's Kendall and Casey on the 93 WIBC mashup. I believe at the end of the day, the total was 64.3% to 31.6%. We're talking Michigan primary. Donald Trump beating Nikki Haley for the uh, GOP Michigan primary. Well, at least she made it close, Casey. <laughs> and then you had Joe Biden. How did he finish? Uh, he finished on top. He had, what, about 100,000 votes were sent to uncommitted <laughs> So, so they went with somebody other than than Biden. So obviously the Republic, as of right now, these guys are both going to be the nominee. Now we'll see what happens as we roll through the spring and into the summer. But it's going to be Trump versus Biden. And and um, we talked a lot about Nikki Haley. Was it Monday? I guess probably would have been Monday. We talked about that because she obviously got smoked in South Carolina the same way she got smoked in Michigan. And it's pretty clear. I mean, the numbers have been somewhat accurate. I mean, Trump has gotten over 50 percent of the vote in every state. And as the numbers have dwindled, it's, you know, two thirds of the people want Trump and Nikki Haley's kind of a protest vote. So it's basically two thirds of the party really want Trump and a third don't. And but again, it comes back to what we talked about in this open in the segment to open the show, which is there is a general not to be Jimmy Carter here, but I guess I'll use the word malaise Mm -hmm. about the condition of the country. And I think people I think 2020 was such a shock to the American system 
that you see this in times of crisis where people have, you know, very traumatic events happen to them and they're almost in a sense of shock where you'll ask them things and they may not remember or they don't respond accurately or they, you know, you'd think there would be some level of, you know, uh, excitement. I'm not saying excitement in a good way, but excitement in their voice and there's just nothing. And I think that's kind of where the country is right now. I think the country is still so disheartened and shell-shocked from 2020 that they're kind of like, what's the point of engagement at all? Mm -hmm. A little bit of cognitive dissonance. You think the country's suffering from PTSD? Well, if you're Indiana, so so take Indiana, for example. If you're a passionate conservative voter, if you're what you might call a reliable Republican voter, you have to look at yourself and say, we are, on paper, as red a state as you're possibly going to get. We have super majorities in the House and Senate. You have a Republican governor. You have seven of the nine U.S. reps are Republicans. The two U.S. senators are Republican. And all of your statewide office holders that you're still allowed to vote on because they stole your right to vote on superintendent um, are, are Republican. And yet, if you look at Indiana over the past seven years, what have you gotten? The budget has increased 37.5%, Casey, mm-hmm. 37.5% since 2017. It went from $32 billion to $44 billion under this Republican-dominated rule. Property taxes skyrocketed. Gas taxes skyrocketed. Growth of government in scope and size skyrocketed. Look at what happened in 2020 where Holcomb shuts the state down and only two of the Republicans, two of the su- in the supermajority, 100-plus Republicans between the House and Senate, two of them spoke up. John Jacob and Kurt Nicely, and look at what happened to those guys. They got a million dollars spent against them in a primary to get them bounced out. If you're a voter in this state, and we'll get to next segment, what they did to those people kicking them off the ballot yesterday, don't you just look around and go, what's the point in even voting? Mm -hmm. I voted the air quote right way, and what did it get me? Bigger government, bigger taxes, nothing for me. Hey, if you're a mega corporation, Indiana's a great place to come to because we're going to take a half a billion dollars from poor and middle class people and give it to you so you can have sweetheart real estate deals out in Boone County. But if you're a regular person, if you're a rank and file person who has done everything the right way and you get up and go to work each day, don't you look around and go, what's the point in even participating anymore? What's the point? Well, and keep in mind that it's tax season. A lot of people are filling out their paperwork right now, getting more and more frustrated as you're turning money over to the government and they're sending it over to Ukraine. And yet illegals are crossing our southern border and we're being told that the border is secure, but we all know it's not. We are bombarded with ads on this radio station of people running for public office, which is wonderful. Thank you. We, we appreciate that. And we have these these politicians in uh, all the time. You know, we've had these governor's candidates. We're going to have a bunch of these other, other people who are running for various offices. Other than, and, I, and I'm, I'm not being facetious when I say this, other than Micah, There's not a single solitary one of these people who I have heard an ad or met or have known who I have any faith in whatsoever. Micah Beckwith is the only person running for lieutenant governor that I have a a shred of faith in that would actually fight or give a damn about me. 
Well, thanks with that article. What was it? The Wall Street Journal said about Donald Trump that people feel that he's the only one who would fight for them. Yet there's still this less than thrilled prospect that it's going to be a Trump Biden election. And 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 so this is my this is my point. I think Trump would try. I I believe Donald Trump would try to make the country a better place. But I think Trump is so hated and that cabal will so work against him. And I think when you couple that with his general complete lack of self-discipline and his inability to put people around him who will form some sort of insulary wall from that cabal and take that sledgehammer necessary, then I don't think he's going to get anything done. And I think people see that. I think people see that. There's almost no one left to believe in. There's almost no one left to be fired up about. There's almost no one left to be passionate about. And when you do get those people, you realize it's going to end up like Trump, where the, 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 the machine is so strong that they will destroy whichever person happens to slip past the crack and get into public office. Catch Kendall and Casey live Weekdays 9 to noon on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Tony Katz on the 93 WIBC mashup. your guest host today, Kira Davis, but we were talking about this minimum wage law that's passed here in California, restaurant workers and fast food, excuse me, fast food chains will now be required to pay a $20 an hour minimum wage. I went to my local McDonald's recently. Don't judge me. I'm not very proud of it, but they do have the best fountain Coke in America. So I went to McDonald's the other day and I, like I have said before, I live in, in a, a nice suburb where, you know, everyone's working. We have all of the amenities here and there was almost no one working at that McDonald's. Almost everyone was gone. They're already preparing for this. This law comes into effect April 1st. So in a month, they're already preparing. There's almost no one working in there. And it was clear to me because I know who the restaurant owner is that a lot of people there were, were in his, within his own family. So that's, and that's not how it was before. So it's clear to me, he's, he's struggling to staff that location. And then when McDonald's is the cheap meal, it used to be the cheap meal for people on the go opposite. Now you're looking at $20 for a big Mac meal at McDonald's. So this $20 an hour minimum wage for restaurant workers is having the effect that you reasonable people out there would think. But somebody got an exemption here in California. Guess who it was? Panera Bread. You have a Panera Bread store near you? Yeah. Panera Bread gets an exemption from the $20 per hour minimum wage. I'm reading this story out of reason.com. And you're going to know from this first paragraph, just how Panera got this exemption. When fast food restaurants across California have to start paying workers $20 per hour on April 1st, one major chain will be exempted from the mandate. 
And it just so happens to have a connection to a longtime friend and donor to Governor Gavin Newsom. Panera Bread is poised to get a boost from a bizarre clause in the fast food minimum wage law that exempts, quote, chains that bake bread and sell it as a standalone item. Adding Newsom pushed for that break, according to people familiar with the matter. So in that law, there is an exemption for restaurants that sell bake and sell breads as a standalone item. If I owned the local McDonald's, I would get a bread making machine in there and I would just start selling individual loaves of bread. I'd sell, you know, two or three a day. I don't know. I just put, I'd make two or three a day, put them out to be sold so I could get this exemption. Panera bread gets an exemption. <laughs> because chains that bake bread and sell it as a standalone item are exempted. Do you do you need any more proof that these people are all totally and completely corrupt? Do I need to remind you about what Gavin Newsom did during the pandemic here? Because it was national news. I don't care where you were. You heard about this. He shut down restaurants across the state. But he kept the restaurants that he was part owner in. He kept them open. And then he got caught dining at the French Laundry, a $10,000 a plate restaurant. Not just dining, folks. Dining with a party of people, 20 people. At the time, this guy was sending police out to arrest lone surfers in the middle of the ocean for being outside. He closed down Orange County beaches to punish us because we, we like freedom in this part of California. And we did what we wanted anyways, despite what the state was saying. So we were punished severely for that. Shut down the, the public beaches, all the outdoor areas. This is the same guy who supported things like the city of San Clemente, filling in a skate park with sand. We took the kids out of school. We kept them away from their friends. We told them that they would murder their grandparents if they got close to them. We robbed them of social skills. We robbed them of the necessary development that comes from school life and socializing with other people. And then we told them they can't even go outside. And we, and to prove that point, we filled in their skate park with sand. That's what this guy was supporting, but his friends get an exemption. Why? Well, Newsom's going to run for president. If he doesn't run this year, he's definitely running in 28. And this guy's got a lot of money. This is what we're up against, people. Just absolute mass corruption. So, frankly, this to me looks like something that every fast food restaurant could use to get around this law. And then what's going to happen? We're going to need another law to fill in that gap. That's how all this works, right? That is why freedom is always the best choice. Limited government is always the best choice because you, you don't have to keep making laws to correct human nature. And that's what we're seeing here. We are dealing with an entire population of people embodied by the progressive left that thinks they can legislate human instinct, that thinks they can legislate human nature and our founding fathers knew that human nature was beyond our control especially when it came to when it comes to communities of people especially when it comes to government 
So what do we do? We leave people to control their own human nature and we develop laws based around the simplest idea of protecting the freedom of the individual and protecting our national borders. And both of those are under extreme attack right now. While we were on the break, Carl, uh, producer Carl, <laughs> sent me this story about I didn't see this. President Trump was talking to the uh, a black conservative federation and he, he said some interesting things. He said, uh, let's see. He, he says that. Well, first of all. Some uh, people are mad at Trump always. Right. Trump derangement syndrome is a real thing. <laughs> But he's been condemned recently by the president of ABC News, Kimberly Godwin. She says he's as racist as they come. Why did she say this? Well, he was speaking to the Black Conservative Federation and he was talking about his indictments. And he said this, I got indicted a second time and a third time and a fourth time. And a lot of people said that's why the black people like me. Because they have hurt because they have been hurt so badly and discriminated against. And they actually viewed me as I'm being discriminated against. I know Tony was talking about this. You can go to the podcast for Tony Katz today and you can hear his comments on the issue. But I know that <laughs> this whole thing is ridiculous. Here's, here's what you need to start doing, everybody. If you have the gumption, maybe you just want to stay silent. When someone says something like this about President Trump, you ask them why. Ask why. And matter of fact, when someone says anything crazy to you, because there's so many crazy assertions being floated around out there, you ask them why. Most of these people can't explain why they believe what they do. Why would you consider Tr President Trump a racist? I frankly don't. I'm a black voter. I have a no idea. Other than he's just a white guy. He wasn't a racist when he was in every movie and on every TV show and invited to every party in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. He, he, every Democrat knows Donald Trump and they've known him for years. And they've taken his money and they've taken his invitations to the parties. He wasn't a racist then. What made him a racist? We just put an R behind his name. But President Trump is also one of the only Republicans who has specifically reached into the black community. You might not like the way he sounds when he does it. But he's not a typical politician. That is what a lot of black people I know, particularly black men, respect about him. He doesn't mince his words and he doesn't patronize. He just he doesn't try to. Oh, I'm going to try to find the right wording for this so I don't offend anyone. He just tells you what he thinks. And so the president of ABC might look at those comments or here's a comment from KJP, Corinne Jean-Pierre. It's repugnant and divisive to traffic in racist stereotypes that have the effect of tearing all Americans down. Oh, I, why don't you look in the mirror, KJP? Excuse you. Anyway, continuing. And in any context, it's profane to compare the long, painful history of abuse and discrimination suffered by black Americans to something totally different from self-serving purposes. My God, she could be talking about the LGBTQ plus 2IA and all the other letters of the alphabet community. If I have to hear one more time how trans, the, the, the battle for, quote, imaginary trans rights can be compared to the civil rights movement, I'm 
I'm going to poke my eye out. They do this all the time. Is it, is it, I, I don't think it's trafficking and stereotypes to say, I think black people understand what discrimination is and what being unjustly uh, prosecuted by the law is. I think they understand it. And I think that gives them some measure of sympathy for me. I don't think that's racist. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz. Here, Tony Katz, live, weekdays 6 to 9 and noon to 3 on 93 WIPC. Hammer and Nigel on the 93 WIPC mashup. And now we're going to pivot and check in with crack-smoking, gun-toting, widow-poking Hunter Biden. Oh, my. You smoke crack, don't you? Then the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. So Hunter Biden showed up in D.C. today. He had a closed door um, hearing with the folks at the Oversight Committee. He was sworn in. They talked about all the things that Hunter Biden has had issues with, right? The Burisma board, the illegal weapon, the laptop, the... Peddling influence. Peddling influence. They're going to be releasing a transcript here soon, but the testimony in Capitol Hill behind closed doors was the first step. James Comer, the head of the Oversight Committee, came out just within the last hour and said, the plan is, moving forward, to have a public hearing with hunter biden i know you're a guy that wanted the public hearing right immediately but that's not the way they do things but i figured hey what they're here let's do it so hunter biden in his opening statement and some of the things that have leaked out he says that he did not involve his father in his business no i just gave him 10 percent, but he wasn't involved in the business but involved is an interesting term because like the goalposts are moving now yeah for a long time it was well we've never spoken to each other and how many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings i've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. i have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses period and what i will do is the same thing we did in our administration there will be an absolute wall between personal and private uh and government. Do you stand by your statement that you did not discuss any of your son's overseas business? Yes, I stand by that statement. So it went from we've never spoken to well, we've never been involved. So like the goalposts keep moving here. Um, Terminology. Right. So the emails, the visitor logs, the texts, the witness testimony, they all say otherwise. And again, we're waiting to find out what exactly was asked of Hunter Biden behind closed doors today. Representative Nancy Mace, she spoke to the press about a little bit of it. 
Hunter Biden is being defiant and also dishonest. And his testimony, some of it, is in direct conflict with other witnesses. And so the transcripts will be out. I won't go into detail. You'll be able to see it for yourself. But um, it's no surprise. It's no shock uh, that he is being that way. And in some cases, he doesn't recall. He said that multiple times this morning, which, again, is not a shocker either. But um, defiant and dishonest would be the way that I would describe his testimony so far in the first hour. I would tell you that his testimony is in direct conflict with other witnesses that so far the Oversight Committee has interviewed. If I was Hunter Biden, that would be my, my response to every question. Look, I have no idea. I was high on crack half the time. I, I, I can't recall. <laughs> He's going to use that. He's going to blame his drugs and his addiction and his ability to recall certain things. That's all going to come into question. He's going to become a sympathetic figure after the public hearing. Well, he's the poster child for drug abuse now, and we really need to have a serious conversation about drugs in this country. Poor Hunter can't remember anything. Here's Matt Gates. There were a number of interesting moments, but perhaps none more interesting than when Hunter Biden told us that he uh, joined the Burisma board to counter Russian aggression. I, I hadn't heard that one before. That Thank goodness we had Hunter Biden on the Burisma board uh, because that was uh, central to his strategy to stand up to Vladimir Putin. So it is a mirage to believe that Hunter Biden was engaged in international business. This was uh, a bribe masquerading as an international business transaction. Nothing more nothing less. Just... <laughs> That's so... hilarious. He said I was the reason I was on that corrupt Barisma board is because I was standing up to Vladimir Putin. <laughs> right. I'm fighting Russian aggression. So that's why I joined this corrupt company. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Here, with her perspective, is AOC. Uh, what we just witnessed over the last hour was, I think, a deep-sea fishing expedition because the Republican case has completely fallen apart over the last several weeks. Um, after it's been exposed that that the critical, you know, one of the, their most uh, key pieces of information was based on a source that was in communication with Russian intelligence, they are now trying to scramble to find anything. Um, to substantiate oh, their fairy tale is what we should call this. That was AOC's Ugh. perspective. Never do that to me again. All right, so we've heard from Nancy Mace, we've heard from Matt Gates, we've heard from AOC. Yeah. And now, here to share his perspective on what's going on with this Hunter Biden closed door testimony, AI Nigel. This is Nigel. Uh,. <laughs> I drink a lot and often call in to work. <laughs> that being said, um, you know, man, it's time for Hunter to drag his ass out there for a public hearing. No more of this behind closed doors. Shit. <laughs> now, if you will excuse me, I have a wet hacking cough to deliver on the air. <laughs> Then I will ask a question that takes approximately eight minutes because I ramble and I tail off at the very end because I'm awkward and fat and lazy and fat. Um, I'll be off this Friday. That's right. Fat and lazy. <laughs> Nigel, out. Ah! <laughs> AI Nigel. Bravo. 
sharing his perspective. Oh, bravo. On Hunter Biden's testimony. <laughs> that was incredible. I'm crying. Allison, did we get everything in there? Did we get the on-air oh, cough wow. and the vomiting? And did we uh, encompass everything, Big Nige? Maybe just one more cough. <laughs> yeah, I'll give that to you right there. Hammer and Nigel are live every weekday afternoon, 3 to 7, on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Tony Kinnett Cast on the 93 WIBC mashup. Republicans get excited. I know this has been coming for a long time. Mitch McConnell has announced that after November, he will be stepping down as the Republican majority leader, which means that in a span of just a month, RNC chairwoman Ronna McDaniel and Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell are stepping away from positions of leadership. I know it, it's, it's great. It's exciting news. And you should clap. You, you should be excited for this because if you're a Republican, this is the best news that you have received this year. You should be more giddy than when the special uh, prosecutor found the special counsel found that joe biden uh wasn't charged because uh, he had a fault to memory you should be more excited about this than absolutely anything else on planet earth and there are two very good reasons why and we'll get to those but first of all this marks the end of the republican establishment uh, the old guard i've heard it called um and their control of the republican party this is it um, Kevin McCarthy was not necessarily a member of the old guard. I know a lot of people like to think that he was, that Kevin McCarthy was was some kind of like backdoor, uh, super elitist stooge. Doesn't exactly fit that way when you look at his record. But Senator McConnell has definitely become um, the bulwark of the establishment over the last decade and a half. And it's now over. And all of the candidates that... Uh, were kind of riding on the bet that this whole Trump populism thing and and also this fascination with traditional conservatism was just a fad and they would get back to business as usual. The, the, the status quo hope that everything will go back to normal and everything will be the way that it once was, uh, that has now leveled the hopes and dreams of a lot of candidates. For example, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley was already done in this primary, but she had a hope and a prayer that if voters came out and approved of the idea that everyone wanted to be back to normal and that back to normal meant establishment or old guard Republicans, then she was golden. She could you know, run in 2028 and likely get the nomination. Everything would be smooth and wonderful. Only that's not what's going on now with Speaker Mike Johnson as uh, Speaker of the House the traditional conservative, and now Mitch McConnell being ousted and likely to be replaced by either Ted Cruz or Mike Lee or Rick Scott, all of whom despise that old establishment line of thinking, it's really not looking good for a lot of establishment members in the party. There is genuinely a part of this group that is desperately out of touch. 
I will say that the reason establishment Republicans became such, you know, a lot of people call them rhinos, Republican in name only. The reason that a lot of establishment have fallen out of touch with the American people is not because over the last couple of decades they sold their souls in D.C. and agreed to make these backroom secret deal. That is the kind of thinking that uh, a child decides for like why a teacher graded their test wrong. They're like, oh, it's because Mrs. Charbroiled Burger doesn't like me or whatever. No, that's not why establishment uh, GOP members started um, being garbage. The reason a lot of establishment Republicans have started being garbage is because when you spend all of your time among individuals who are the heads of corporations who are lobbyists in state capitals and in washington dc and you are told constantly every single day all of these glad-handed pieces of nonsense from people who have lots of money you don't sell your soul you just become out of touch with your constituency you do you you when you choose to spend more time in washington than you do in whatever district office you're totally working out of during your term in your home state you lose touch with voters and you end up making really wild and stupid comments anyway here's mitch mcconnell uh saying that he's out of touch with the republican party and that's one of the reasons he's stepping down in november believe me i know the politics within my party at this particular moment in time, I have many faults. Misunderstanding politics is not one of them. So McConnell is, is making the case that he realizes that the, the mood of the Republican Party has shifted against him. And he has said, I'm, I'm bad at a lot of things, but politics is not one of them. Well, that only works if you're actually advancing the interests of your party in the Senate and the House. And I will remind you, there was a time when McConnell did such things, when McConnell was more concerned about getting good justices across the line and getting uh, certain pieces of legislation passed in the 2010s and up through the Trump administration. But somewhere along the line, McConnell got tired of being complained about, and he moved from being an individual who was more concerned with uh, the Republican interests of the state or the, excuse me, the Commonwealth of Kentucky to an individual that really was focused on just passing big, huge, massive junkie bills from foreign aid to infrastructure projects that we're going to talk about a little bit later on the show. And I bring that up because it is important to remember that Mitch McConnell was once not the, the world's worst thing. My, everyone knows that listens to the show. My favorite clip of all time is when Mitch McConnell warned Chuck Schumer and the Democrats that if they uh, or warned Harry Reid, excuse me, that if they went wacko and basically started treating politics as a cudgel game, they would regret it. Here's that audio clip. Say to my friends on the other side of the aisle, you'll regret this. And you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. There once was a, a fighting man and there once was a fighting establishment Republican. But establishment Republicans have genuinely become so lost in the egotistical thing that they blame populist candidates of possessing. A lot of establishment old guard Republicans have taken it as kind of a moral code of honor to be lambasted by anything that Trump voters support and traditional conservatives support. Get the Tony Kinnett cast 
Live, weeknights at 7 on 93 WIBC. Thanks for listening. Get caught back up again tomorrow with the 93 WIPC mashup.